Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect defend and save what you believe in every single day so what makes a life a good one in the coast guard we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, everybody. Recording live. Well, okay, we're not live. Recording to you from Inglewood, California with my little sidekick, Fletch, a.k.a. Fletcherino. He's a dog. <laughs> He's not on the podcast today. But this is Helen, the owner of Helen's Wines, gem box little wine shop inside of a restaurant called John and Vinny's. This is my podcast, Wine Face, the podcast about wine that makes you feel comfortable breaking everything down into snackable little educational bite-sized moments. We are bringing you the 411, what's hot, what's not in the world of wine. Maybe you love food and wine and you want to know more. And maybe you just want to look good in front of your friends. Either way, I am here for you. If you want to find me in person and you are in Los Angeles, you can find me at Helen's Wines. Otherwise, you can find me on the World Wide Web, helenswines.com or follow me on Instagram at Helen's Wines. Today, talking about an area of Italy. It's called the Veneto. Some people call the Veneto Italy's wine factory, but I think it's for this reason that we must highlight this region and highlight growers that are doing dope-ass shit in this area. No longer is it Italy's wine factory. I mean, I think that factory is still open and still making the factory vibe wine, but let's sidestep and get a general overview and then a focus in on some two of my favorite winemakers right now. So the main areas that most people are talking about when it comes to the Veneto are Val Policella, Suave, and Bartolino. So those are in the classic sense of the Veneto and in the old school vibes and in the DOCG world. Those three regions are the most famous and have the most famous wines coming out of them. As one of the largest states in Italy, the Veneto, 
It's located in the northeastern top part of, I guess, what would be Italy's thigh or hip. So up near the top northeast, uh, the history of this area goes back to 5th century AD. It had Roman rule. It had Middle Ages vibes. Now it's all Venetian. It's crazy. Venice, obviously, is one of the most famous areas in the Veneto. But another area that some people might know is Verona. Very romantic, romantico, very Romeo and Juliet. So Venice and Verona, it's also bordered by some other Italian regions, which we can dip into in the future. But to the east is Friuli, to the west is Lombardy, and to the south is Emilia Romagna. So even though it's northern Italy, it's pretty much bomb.com. It's got some serious history. And of those areas, the most famous area, probably for everybody or the wine connoisseur, I would say not many people are paying attention to wines, the Bartolino wines, but most famous, we're talking about the general population, are the wines that make Valpolicella and within Valpolicella, Amarone and da, 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 Prosecco. So the Veneto is home to these three wines, styles of wines and places. The most famous like red wines from there fall under the Valpolicella vibes to simplify it because there's a lot of indigenous offspring of these, but let's just say it's Corvina, Rondinella, and Molinara. So those three are the primary grapes that are blended into a Valpolicella wine and Valpolicella wines are always red wines. We're going to talk about what those are because truth be told, there's not a lot of Valpolicella I buy and I definitely don't really drink that much Amarone, but we're educating about wine. So y'all need this 411. What the hell is Valpolicella? I'm going to tell you. Valpolicella is nestled close to the Alps and it has Verona in the south. So it's like pretty romantic. It's got all the vibes, all the feels. I loved reading Romeo and Juliet in schools. I loved reading Shakespeare. It was really fun. Just a little fun fact about me. For me to you. Uh, what light through yonder window break? Okay. So what's kind of wild about these red grapes. So Corvina, Rondinella, Molinara is when you separate them out of the identity of Valpolicella, and some Valpolicella is made this way, these grapes should be making wine that's kind of tangy, high acid, a little bit more fresh. But many Valpolicella producers, like for some people, when I give them a Valpolicella that's more skewing to that fresh, tangy, high acid, drink it now kind of vibe, it misregisters for some more seasoned winemakers because Valpolicella is often thought of as a baby Amarone. We'll get to Amarone in a second, but it's often thought of as should be really rich and soft and velvety and smooth and full-bodied and luscious. And now how do we get from like kind of tangy, high acid, fresh grapes, that's their natural state, to Valpolicella? Well, I'm gonna tell you right now. Many Valpolicella producers will add uh, additional grape skins whose sugar content has been naturally increased by drying. So this is a process when you add these grape skins, it's called repasso. 
And it means repass, but repasso is they will lay out the grapes instead of right after harvest and let them dry on these like mats outside so that the skins concentrate a higher level of sugar. And so during the production of some Valpolicella, additional grape skins will be added to add more richness, sweetness, texture. This is a natural technique. Obviously, it's not my first choice to drink a wine that has a lot of sugar. It just makes me feel crazy. But this isn't necessarily like something bad or mass produced. I just want to get that clear. This is like a historic way of making wine in this region that Valpolicella has become famous for. I can't not mention Quintarelli because they're probably the most famous Valpolicella and Amarone producers. If you have dabbled in this area of style of wine, then they're the really beautiful simplistic labels that are written all in cursive. Obviously, there's other famous Amarone Valpolicella producers, but these guys are historic. Family runs deep. Technique is spot on. We sell them at the shop, FYI, but they are, they're pretty penny. They're kind of a high rolling Veneto style wine. So the most famous of the Valpolicella wines is Amarone. It's usually Valpolicella della Amarone, but Amarone is very distinct and unique because of the way that it is made. This wine is unique because it's made from grapes that are dried on mats, just like before, but this is like 100% of the wine is made from grapes that have been dried on mats for weeks post-harvest. This is a process called a pasamento. Sorry, I had a little... A pasamento. And it concentrates the flavors and sugars, right? That drying process. They are fermented to dryness, which is absolutely mind-boggling, which results in big, bold flavors, but also super high alcohol levels. So a lot of Amarone are like 16, 17% alcohol. Again, this is not an unnatural state for this wine. It's definitely linked quite intrinsically to that style of wine. So that's Amarone. And listen, you know, you're going to have a big steak, maybe rub with porcini mushrooms. Maybe you want to ball out and have an Amarone. They definitely are not that inexpensive. So if you come across an inexpensive Amarone, unless you're in the Veneto in Italy, but if you come across one, you might want to rethink it. It might just be some janky ass Amarone. The second most famous area in the Veneto is a region called Suave. And what's so crazy about Suave, and when I was first starting to buy wine, people would always bring me like Suave Classico. And Classico in the Veneto is a very big moniker to come after. So there is like Valpolicella Classico, Suave Classico. And then there's also Superiore in the Veneto. We can get to that in a second, but basically it's like stepped up classification. Superiore, there's um, Valpolicella Superiore, Suave, Prosecco. Anyway, I digress. So the region of Suave is really intrinsically tied with this amazing grape called Garganiga. And what's so crazy is that there's people today making the dope ass Garganiga, but it's not labeled Suave. And I think the customer doesn't know how to handle it. We put a Garganiga on by the glass, actually this time of year, fall, winter vibes. It's such a, it's a beautiful grape varietal that can have some vegetal characteristics, a lot of freshness, 
some saltiness, but then it also has this like warm rounding note that really ties it all together in a perfect little bow. But people see Garganaga and maybe it's too much of a mouthful. Maybe they're just like, stop. I don't want to know about it. But that's the grape varietal that Suave is made from. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and buy a Suave or drink Suave that's classified as Suave because to be honest with you, I haven't bought a Suave Classico in about nine years. I remember very distinctly the last one I bought. And to me, the modern day wine production of wines that are labeled as Suave, the wines feel a little shut down, over-processed and thin. They don't actually capture the energy and essence of what is so cool about Suave. I got to give a shout out to my two favorite Suave producers right now. It's so interesting because in this region, there's an area called Gambalara. And I don't know what's going on in this small town, but two of my favorite winemakers in all of the Veneto are coming out of this area, Gambalara. And you won't really see that small town or small subregion of the Veneto labeled but it's within Suave and they don't use the Suave DOCG at all. It's Angelino Male and David Spillare. They are making these insane, insane, insanely beautiful, beautiful wines. They are so absolutely magical. Both of them are from generation. They're both young people from generations of winemaker, and they are making very pure, beautiful expressions. Angelino Male focuses on Garganica. He actually makes it from different single vineyard sites. So it's almost like this case study of this white wine grape, elevating it, in my opinion, to a much higher level. Right now we have the Massieri in stock and it's a hundred percent amazing. David Spilare is making Garganiga. He also does, he has young vines and he has old vines. He's highlighting both of those in different cuvées. He also has a extended skin contact Garganiga that's just like cool oceans, breath, heaven on earth. But one of my favorite wines that he makes is made from Merlot. And what a lot of people don't know is in the Veneto, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Cabernet Franc are also widely planted. And he is making just such a cool expression of Merlot. It has texture and energy and fullness, but with a beautiful amount of dryness. So just a shout out to my two favorite winemakers within this region who are not playing by the rules, breaking the law. They're not really breaking the law, but (laughs) they're doing their own thing. They're having their own vibe. They're catching a vibe in the Veneto. You know, you got to stand out in the Veneto, aka Italy's wine factory. You can't just be like every average Joe. And so speaking of average Joes, let's move on to the last area. We can't forget about Prosecco. Now, can we? Prosecco. Ah, Prosecco. So Prosecco is made from a grape called Glera. And I would say generally it's a sparkling wine to avoid unless you find one of supreme grace and unfiltered aspects. So what do I mean? It is made in such wide quantities, like 500 million bottles of Prosecco were sold last year. Something crazy like that. You need a scared straight moment because people love Prosecco. They love this stuff. They love that one with the blue label. And they're like, I get it at Trader Joe's for like $3. But listen, when you have 500 million bottles of something like that sold, you got to know what's happening to create such high yield. So 
scared straight moment. Most growers in Prosecco growing glare grapes, they have a heavy use of herbicides and pesticides. It's like the norm. They're just out there like spraying it, not even in a hazmat suit. So heavy, heavy use of herbicides and pesticides. And as you know, grapes are not rinsed once you harvest them. I was just talking about this with a friend. They're not rinsed. So none of that herbicide, pesticide that's been sprayed over and over and over and over again, none of that is getting washed off. All of that is getting translated into the fermentation process. But the other thing about Prosecco in general is that a lot of producers are using a method of fermentation called the tank method, or it's also known as the Charmat method. I'm not a big fan, but I'm going to tell you what it is. It's basically you put all of the juice... And when you're trying to do fermentation, you put all the juice into literally a massive tank, big, big tank, and you seal that tank. And the secondary fermentation to make it sparkling happens inside the tank because you're creating a CO2, carbon dioxide rich environment. So the secondary fermentation happens in there. And then after that, the tank is not unsealed. They add sugar to it. And then it's very carefully bottled from the tank in order to preserve the bubbles. It sounds like a freaky science experiment, but I guess all wine is kind of like a science experiment once you start getting into the fermentation aspect. But that's how most Prosecco is made, tank method. I mean, it doesn't sound sexy at all. I'm not a big fan. I have a lot of Proseccos that I love. We buy Prosecco. We sell Prosecco. Key factors of the Prosecco, I have a range. We have one that's like organically farmed and it's very beautiful. And it has those like cucumber, melon, spa vibes, characteristics, throw it in Aperol spritz, but it's made at a super high level. And then we also have Prosecco that's unfiltered, unfined. It almost looks and drinks like a cloudy Negri sake. It has sort of that vibe, that finesse. It's super interesting. So next time you go to a wedding... And they come up to you with a tray of sparkling wine and they ask you if you want champagne. Let me just tell you, a lot of times it's Prosecco and a lot of times that Prosecco is made in the tank method with a lot of herbicides and pesticides hanging out. And that is why you probably get a little hangover the next day. I hate to tell you also the added sugar. Anyway, the Veneto is a region that I wanted to highlight because it's one of those areas where... They make so much wine. It's known famously around the world for very specific things, but it's about finding these underdog dope-ass growers within the Veneto, of which we have many in the shop, and raising them up as the new definition of this area. Y'all, this is Helen. This was a, this was a little toe dip into the Veneto, Italian winemaking region. Wine face coming at you. Show me your wine face. Show me your Veneto wine face. Fletch loved it. He learned a lot. He's like, fuck the tank method. Anyway, if you want to follow along, you can find me at Helen's Wines on Instagram or helenswines.com. Also, please subscribe to the podcast. I would love you to rate and review it. If you love this podcast and you want more, please rate and review it. I am asking you. I think it would be super cool and it would help me out a lot. Shameless beg right there. Anyway, keep it real. Keep it organic and natural. Keep it classy. This is Helen. I'm out. Thank you for listening. Thank you.